Today okay. is May 4th, 2018, and this is an interview with Cancion Franklin by Nick Perkel. Now, starting things off, what was your life like in Arizona growing up when it came to your interest in music? Well, um, you know, my interest in music, personally, it really came probably in middle school. I started listening to the Beatles. I started listening and and really enjoying the songwriting in a way that I hadn't enjoyed songwriting before, you know? And I kind of started thinking about music in a different way at that age. I was like obsessed. I, I, I bought every single Beatles CD and I learned the words to each and every song. And I would sing along in my room and I would, you know, that's all. I was just happy doing that. And, you know, they seemed to express emotion in a way that really spoke to me. And then, you know, as I kept listening, it didn't occur to me for, for a while, maybe for a couple of years, that it was the guitar-driven music in a certain respect, in that the guitar in that music really was what was speaking to me. You know, I didn't really have that piece yet, but I knew that I liked the songs. So, you know, at a certain point, I kind of realized that, oh, you know, there's guitar parts to all those songs. That's like a piece of it that I hadn't thought about. I don't specifically know what made me think about it. But I started thinking, okay, you know, hmm, guitar is something to be reckoned with. It's something that these guys are doing that I enjoy. And, you know, fast, fast forward a couple years, I'm in high school, and I'm trying to like the artists of the day. I'm trying to kind of fit in my freshman year. You know, the people who were popular at that time, like some indie music, like Andrew Bird comes to mind, stuff like that. And I didn't enjoy it, but I really wanted to. I wanted to fit in. And so I listened to these records, and my dad got a girlfriend at that time who had owned a music store. And she she was from Indiana, and she had she had this Chicago blues CD. And it was uh, Alligator Records 30 by 30. And it was 30 artists from that legendary label and one song from each of them. So we're talking Roy Buchanan. We're talking, um, trying to think of who else was on that CD. But it was a lot of really good guitar playing. And it was blues music. Hound Dog Taylor was on there. Um, you know, so it was a wide range. It wasn't just any one particular kind of blues artist. It was like a whole whole sampler for me. 
Yeah. And it was then that I kind of realized like, okay, this is guitar music. And this is exactly what expresses, this is the music that expresses me. Like I was angsty at that age, like everybody else is. And that, re- that music really spoke to me. And I realized that it was a guitar in the music that I really wanted to be able to play. Um, so I guess, you know, at that point I asked for a guitar for my, for my 14th birthday. And that's, that's the first day I ever really seriously picked up an instrument. Now, what kind of guitar was it? It was like a cheap classical, you know, like nylon string guitar. And I couldn't play a lick on it, you know, and I was really yeah. stubborn. Like, I, I wouldn't allow anybody to teach me anything. You know, like, I learned a couple chords. I, I knew that I liked A minor. I knew that I liked E E major, and I kind of liked that, like, mm. dark sound. But, I like, it would be years before I even learned how to play, like, 12 bar blues, you know, like da, 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 da. I wouldn't even, you know, let somebody else teach me that. I wanted to, I had this thought that like, if somebody taught me something, then I, I, it wouldn't be pure, you know? So <laughs> I don't know what made me think that, Yeah. but I was very stubborn. And so I just sit like, I'd sit out in the desert or wherever I was that I could get some privacy and I would just play those two chords, you know, for hours. Not even with a pick, just my finger, you know, and I would kind of strum and just, you know, learn to play that way, you know, or just begin, I guess. Now, what type of music did you compose uh, when you lived out in Arizona? Well, see, the thing was, and this is kind of still the same thing like I when I when I when I made music in Arizona and when I make when I make music today it's always kind of been the same idea which is to try to play blues music but to try to play it you know try to play blues and country music but try to play it as myself you know so I heard these records, these these different kinds of blues records, and I and I wanted to emulate that, but I knew that if I copied it directly, that it just it wouldn't sound authentic, you know, because it's not exactly who I am. Yeah. So I just started. I guess you could call them folk songs. I would start writing, you know, a couple chords and maybe a finger picking pattern or just a s- simple strum pattern, and I just write words to them and melodies just kind of sitting there you know nothing nothing really a, you know no education around it so no no like sheet music yeah but I just sit there and start singing you know whatever is on my mind and, and try to write something that way I guess now, what inspired you to come out to the east coast and how long have you been uh, in New Jersey New York area I've been out here since 2010 so I guess It'll be eight years uh, this this August. 
And what inspired me to come out here, I I came here uh, when I was 16 as a, on a visit, and I and I played guitar in the subway for a few days. You know, my family was off doing other stuff, and I, you know, took my acoustic guitar and played and sang songs that I had written in the subway, and people gave me money. I was busking, you know. Yeah. And it just seemed to me like, hey, this is the this is the place to be. You know, I really liked the pace of the city. I liked the frenetic energy. You know. So I got an opportunity to come to college um, in New Jersey, and I saw that as my way out of Arizona, basically. I wasn't really interested in going to school, but I did see it as a way, you know, to get, to get out. What school was this? Rutgers. Okay. Yeah. And I took some general courses. You know, but and I started playing in a band at that point. I started playing in an R and B cover band. You know, we would do everything from Luther Vandross to Beyonce, and we'd play like you know a few times a month. It was all cover songs, yeah. you know, like. And I was just really lucky because they were like really good musicians, and I wasn't, but they let me in. Yeah. Anyways, you know, that was another thing that inspired me when I when I went to visit Rutgers to check it out. I heard some voices singing, and I thought it was beautiful. So I walked, I followed them, and I, I eventually ended up in this in this building. Um, and I opened the door to where the voices were com- coming from, and it was this band. And I was seventeen, and I was like, "Hey." Um, you guys are awesome. Like when I come here for school, I would love to audition. And when I came back to school, I ended up auditioning for that band and they let me in. You know, they were called uh, LOM, Love of Music. So that's actually how I, um, how I met my first or my current drummer was in that band as well. So we've had a musical relationship for quite a while, but that was another thing because I thought, you know, if I if I if I made it to the if I made it to the East Coast, I could be in that band, you know, potentially. And how did you find the other member of your band? Well, Teddy, Teddy just played, you know, you, you know, my drummer at the time. I just kind of had some some guys that were filling in for me and you know Teddy ended up taking one of my gigs that I had available because the other guy couldn't make it and he really liked the music and he was like really good and I was just like okay so you know this guy should be in the band you know so I offered him the job at that point he was just kind of covering for my my guy at the time but my guy at the time was just kind of covering in general you know he didn't really necessarily want to be a permanent part of the music but he was working for me you know playing in my band as a friend now 
You call the music that you create Americana. What do you mean by that? So, Americana is kind of a, to me it's an umbrella term. And it, you know, it has to do with all different types of American music. So, it incorporates uh, blues, a little bit of country, some folk elements. There's a wide range of things that could be considered Americana, even though, you know, the connotation is kind of, you know, when you say Americana, most people think of a guy in a denim shirt playing an acoustic guitar, you know, or maybe some harmonies and maybe just what you would think of as like an elevated folk band. But that's not actually what the genre is. The genre could encompass everything from like, you know, the Abbott brothers to Gary Clark Jr. to, you know, Sharon Jones even could be construed. There's an argument that she could be considered Americana, you know, so I do call myself Americana, you know, but it is it is an umbrella term for a lot of different genres that are incorporated into my songwriting. Now, what made you name your guitar Mrs. Rico? Mrs. Rico was my godmother. She was the next door neighbor when I was growing up, so I just thought it was just thought it was a cute name for my guitar. You know, she was um, part of my childhood and a really kind woman, so I just thought I would immortalize her in my uh, in my instrument somehow. Now, um, I noticed two recordings on YouTube of you, the NPR Tiny Desk Contest, as well as the Tea Time Sessions. Can you tell me a little bit about each uh, session? Yeah, absolutely. The Tiny Desk Contest was um, a couple years ago now, I suppose. I believe it was 2016, and me and my friend Alex Whalen who has a, his own great band now called Trokey Trokey. We we were playing at that time. We were kind of a duo, and we would play in the subway. We would play. We had a residency at a bar in Williamsburg, you know. And we would play my songs, and he would accompany me. And I got the idea, you know, the Tiny Desk Contest is a big contest where everybody submits a video, and it's of an original song, and it just has to have a desk in it. So my friend offered to shoot it for us. And it was on that day. There was a day in 2016 in the winter where there was a huge blizzard, you know, and all the buses and trains shut down. Um, and we ended up walking through the snow over there to shoot that video. Um, the cool, the, uh, the tea time session that's from some amazing people that have their own production company um, called Kukuri Productions. And they're just some of the best people I've encountered uh, working in music. They just take artists that they know or that they hear of and, and shoot videos like that for them, you know, uh, out of their own, out of their own pocket and because they're interested in doing it. So, 
there was a they had a cancellation and somebody who had you know I hadn't met a few times ended up giving me a call and seeing if I would fill in so I ended up doing that um, and in 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 meeting those people who are just you know the best What experiences inspired the writing sessions of your EP, True As Time Allows? Well, True As Time Allows, it's, um, you know, some of those songs at the time were, were pretty new, and some of them, I guess, yeah, I had written those all within a year. And they were, you know, they're all songs... I guess I could say my experience at the time was getting sober, you know, uh, I quit, I quit drinking about three years ago, three and a half years ago, I quit drinking and smoking cigarettes. And so in breaking that addiction, I, I wrote a lot, you know, I quit my job that was in 2015. And I became a subway musician and I would, you know, play down there and, and write different songs and, and come up with different, I would compose different stuff and I would just kind of throw it up against the wall and and see what was doing well, uh, down in the tunnels, I guess you could say. And, you know, as I continued to write, I continued to develop different elements of of genres that I liked like you know what is high is below that's that's kind of a straight up outlaw country song in a lot of ways and then back to Texas that's like a straightforward blues rock song so I kind of started to figure out different elements of music that I loved that felt authentic to me when I started to write, you know, I never sat down and and, and was like, okay, I'm going to write a blues rock song. Okay. I'm going to write a country song. I just sit, sat, sat down to write. And those are the songs that came out. You know, I, my ambition is always to, to be Freddie King. You know, my ambition is to, is to be, Stevie Ray Vaughan, but when I when I try to sing blues music or when I try to sing country music, you know, it just kind of comes out the way that my songs are. You know, it's it's simple, but it's the way that I'm trying to approach a form which already exists. You know, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to tap into something. What does the title True As Time Allows mean to you? It means that everything is subject to change. And that's, you know, how time works is like, you know, you have things that you believe or you have things that you hold on to as long as you can, as long as they're useful, as long as they're 
you know, playing the role that you want them to play, but that, you know, there's no one ideal. There's no one, there's no one element or character that is not subject to being shaped. So it's a very, what it, what it means to me is very straightforward. It's like time changes everything, but I wanted to say it in a, in a pretty way and in my own words, you know, whatever is true is only as true as time allows it to be in that one picture frame, I suppose you could say, or that one, that one, uh, moment. Crown of Rage gives off a tragic and pain-induced tone. Was this about something that happened recently or kind of like reflection of the years you've lived? Well, I think, yeah, I mean, it's a reflection of of the years that I've lived and and it's kind of a, it's my way of processing some of the anger that I've come up against within myself, you know, in, in trying to quit booze and, and quitting my addictive behavior, you know, a lot of anger came up for me. So the song is really my way of blessing the parts of myself that I don't like, you know, it's trying to, to process them and, and to, you know, accept some of the things that I can't change about myself. You know, I can't change stuff that I don't like immediately or maybe ever. So that song is kind of my way of framing them in a beautiful light instead of, um, you know, something negative. Now, Back to Texas has a great upbeat, enduring feel. What's the story behind that one? A lot of the time I've felt that Texas is my spiritual home. Um, my father lives lives there on and off in central Texas and I've I've spent some you know, I've spent a couple months there. Most of my favorite artists are from Texas, Lightning Hopkins, Freddie King, Willie Nelson, Towns Van Zant, like some of the best guitar players and songwriters are from there and it's you know, stuff that I grew up with, stuff that taught me to play guitar, like Texas Flood, you know, and um, just all these great things that are from that state that I really admire. And one of the things that Texas is famous for is rainstorms. So, you know, at the time I was listening to a lot of Freddie King and I really sometimes I get inspired by music and I'm like, I, not even necessarily an artist, but it's a, but it's a particular song and I just get so enveloped with it and I get so obsessed with it that I have to write something of my own to contend with it. You know, because I get intimidated, but I also get inspired in a way like competitive. So that song is kind of my blues rock. 
it's my it's my groove you know but it also it also incorporates these elements of of texas blues and of of texas scenery that i really love and can identify with your song what is high is below that's about living in new york city tell me like the feelings on that song that song is you know let me think here what is high is the meditation definitely on living in the city and trying hard and not necessarily getting the results that are expected but it's also a song that incorporates some of the things that I love about country music which is that it could still have a tone of humor and upbeat and of joy, but it sings about things that are not joyous. So it has an element of darkness and light. That's one of the, that's one of the things I love most about country music is it can sound like it, it encompasses all of the elements of what joy means, which is you know, a little bit of sorrow, a little bit of, you know, great happiness and just a complete catharsis, but also some humor, also some tongue in cheek and some, you know, some wit, I suppose, you know, so that's, that's definitely one of the, that's definitely one of the songs where I, where I took some of the attitudes that I love about country music and, 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 and use them in my own way. Final words. I really appreciate doing an interview with you. I think, I think this is awesome. I'm, uh, I feel very fortunate to be able to play, to be able to play music and to, and to learn and to study and to have been humbled or to continue to be humbled by some of the amazing talent that is in this city and in, you know, in this community.